0: Turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. And as time permits, we will have a moment at the altar at the end of this message. As we sing about meeting the Lord at the altar, we'll, we'll have a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, Lord. it's just always so good to be in your presence and with your people and I thank you Lord for our sister who you've used to not only write this book but to equip the saints to make a difference in the world thank you Lord that diversity and diverse unity in Jesus Christ is what the world needs and what the world longs for but Lord help us in the church to live what we know to be true That we're to love our neighbor and that we're to show mercy to those, Lord God, who are different than we are. So may judgment start in the house of God. May we judge ourselves so that you don't have to spank us any more than what you have. Help us to repent of self-righteousness. Help us to repent. It's great to live in America, as Pastor Jerry said, but may we never put America before the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we confess our need for you. Thank you, Lord, that Ruth shares so many wonderful tidbits for us that we can translate into our culture and time today on how to be kind to others and how to walk in your favor and to be a dispenser of favor. Lord, help me to preach today and help your people to hear the word today. And when it's all said and done, help us to live what we've heard. Help us to apply what we are learning. We pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Well, if you were with us last week, we began the book of Ruth. And we talked about how chapter one was a road of decision. Decisions were made in chapter one. Some of those were bad decisions. Some of those were good decisions. But there was a great decision that was made on that road. That was a bad decision. We learned last week that Elimelech, who was married to Naomi, left Bethlehem because of a famine. Because of a famine, he went to Moab, to a land that did not honor Yahweh, to a pagan country that worshipped the god Chemosh and he took his family there, and as we said last week, it appeared that he did not pray, seek, nor inquire about the will of God for his family. And so he goes into the land of Moab, and he passes away, leaving his wife as a widow. Her two sons get married, and after 10 years, those men do not have children, and then both of them die, and Naomi is left as a widow with her two, daughter-in-laws in in a strange land, cut off from community and spiritual fellowship in Bethlehem. But she decides to make a good decision. And she says, I'm going back home because I heard that there is bread in Bethlehem. So she's going back home, one of her daughter-in-laws decides to go with her, and that was Ruth. And Ruth not only made a good decision, along with Naomi, to go back home, because it's always good to come back home, to go back home. But Ruth made the best decision of all on that road because she said that she would accept and embrace the God of Naomi. She said that your God will be my God. And where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. So we see her commitment to her mother-in-law. But above all, we see her commitment to the Lord. And so last week, we all talked about the decisions. We make decisions, good, bad, indifferent. We make decisions. Uh, And today, as we get into chapter 2, I see two key words that I want to call our attention to as we exposit this passage. The first word is glean, and the second word is favor. So in chapter 2, as we try to understand this portion of scripture in this story, let's look at two words today, glean and favor. Glean is mentioned 12 times in chapter two of the book of Ruth. And to glean simply means to pick up leftovers. To glean, it means to pick up the sheaves that had fallen to the ground, to pick up what was left behind. So if you were a gleaner, you were someone who worked in the field and you picked up what was left behind or the leftovers, that the reapers did not want. So Ruth arrived in Bethlehem as a refugee. Ruth arrived in Bethlehem as a stranger, as a foreigner, as a widow and poor. Yet she arrived with favor on her life because she had just met the Lord and she also arrived with a mindset to work. God made provision in his law for the Jews to take care of the poor and the foreigner so that they could eventually take care of themselves. Uh, Let me read two passages to you. One is in Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. God made provision in his law for the people of God to take care of the poor who were natives of their own land and of their own people. But also to be intentional to take care of foreigners or people outside of their ethnic makeup as Jews. Leviticus 19 verse 9 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. So let me stop and pause here. So they would have fields in those days. And those fields would be marked by boundary stones. And so there would be some places on those fields that would be hard to reach based upon how the terrain went. And so some of those places, and especially the corners, God told his people, leave those corners untouched. And not only that, when you do pick up the sheaves of the barley and of the wheat, and as some will drop, don't pick them up. Why? Verse 10, you shall not glean your vineyard nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So God created both the rich and the poor, according to Proverbs. Jesus said the poor you're going to have with you always. And sometimes the poor are here because we need them to be a mirror to our heart to see where we stand with God. So some people are born poor. Some people are part of the working poor. I wish I had time to really explain that everybody is not poor because they're lazy. Everybody is not poor because they're in sin. I wish I had time to talk about systemic realities, generational things that that contribute to poverty. And even in Ruth's case, she and Naomi are poor because of life circumstances called death and famine that came upon them. I wish I had time, but I got to go now over to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 22. God says in this portion of scripture, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. So remember when you lived in another nation for 400 years. And remember when you were mistreated for 400 years in a foreign land. And I pulled you out of that land and put you in your own land. So now that you're in your own land, don't treat foreigners the way you were treated when you were in Egypt. Be merciful to the foreigner. And be merciful to them without strings attached. Don't be merciful to them only if they become proselytes to Judaism. Be merciful to them because they're made in the image of God. And because of your love, they might just want to become a proselyte of Judaism. And so God put these things in the law. Oh, I wish I had time to chase that rabbit, but I can't today. So much going on in the news, but I'm going to stay on course because I don't want to focus on the gleaning today. I want to focus on the favor today. That's what I want to focus on today. This word favor is found three times in Ruth chapter 2 it's found in verse 2 verse 10 and verse 13 if you have the King James version today that word will say grace so there is grace or favor in the Old Testament much to the surprise of many God is a God of grace and this is the Hebrew word chen, c-h-e-n in the English transliterated from the Hebrew word, the word chen, C-H-E-N, it means to bend, or stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. So this is when someone with power stoops down, bends down, to help someone who doesn't have power. Because the essence of the gospel is the God who has all power, stoops down, comes down, even gives his life so that he can give the power of righteousness, the power of forgiveness to powerless people. So if we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to apply the gospel, we need to look at where are we redistributing power to help people who are powerless. Because grace, we all know it's unmerited favor, but let's take that and put that into action chin in the Old Testament is bending or stooping in kindness to another especially someone who has a need when the superior helps the inferior so chin c-h-e-n puts its c-h-i-n down chin puts its chin down Favor starts with God. Favor, God is grace. And he puts his chin down, if you will, to look down to people who need grace from him. And not only does he put his chin down, he extends his hands down, and then he sends his son down. So chin is going to put its chin down. And as we're going to see today, Ruth, who's a recipient of chin, is going to put her chin down down and start picking up the sheaves from the ground. And we're going to see later, she's going to also extend this favor to someone else too. You see, God put his chin down to Ruth. Ruth put her chin down to pick up gleanings. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud. Who are the proud? People who won't won't put their chin down. I said God resists the proud. People who have their heads up and have a pious and proud look, as the Proverbs writer said. But the humble people, like the man in the temple Jesus talked about, who couldn't even look up to heaven, but he put his head down and beat his breast, and he said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said that man went home justified. But the other pious religious Pharisee uh, put his head up to heaven and said, God, I'm glad I'm not like these other people He went home the way he came, and that was empty and a fool. When you humble yourself, God gives you grace. But when you exalt yourself, grace is removed from your life. James 4, 6, as I mentioned, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, people who can put their head down. A lot of times we miss God stooping down to us, Because we're so prideful. We're so prideful and we don't think we need to bow our head or have anything to confess to him as sin. And so because we don't bow our chins down, grace just keeps on passing by us. But when we can humble ourselves under the hand of God, but also under other people, grace comes to us in a demonstrative way. So let's look, about, let's look at grace with the time I have. Let's look at favor, let's look at grace. Number one, I want you to see from this passage today that favor is providential. It's providential. Favor, grace is providential. What is providence? Providence is God pulling the strings behind the scenes. Providence is God being in control of all things Yet, you don't see him being overbearing in how he demonstrates his control or his sovereign rule in the earth. He's behind the scenes, pulling the strings. Providence is the hand of God in the glove of history. Somehow, God lets history play out so that man can choose and operate according to free will. But at the same time, history is still his story. And even when it starts to get off track, it's still on track because God is still in control and he knows the end of the story from the beginning. So somehow we can't really fully describe it, but providence is at work. Providence is God's providence in our lives. It's how he provides his hand in the glove of history. For instance, in chapter 1, verse 22, the last verse of chapter 1 says that when Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem, it was the beginning of barley harvest. So that was not a mistake. You don't read right over that to get to the next thing. That is a heavy thing because they're coming back into town when everybody is excited because the harvest has come in and it's time to reap the harvest. So she's coming at the right time in the economy of Israel. But not only that, look at chapter 2, verse 1. The writer who is writing this after the events happen in time. He's not sitting down like a newspaper or she's not sitting down like a newspaper writing these events as they play out. No, this happened years after the story played out because at the end of chapter 4, it talks about David. So whoever wrote this, wrote this after the fact... And they wrote this story down under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit. And so they say in chapter 2, verse 1, just to give the reader some encouragement about the providence of God, it says, there was a relative or a kinsman of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. That's them just letting you know, watch out. Something is about to happen. The God of providence is about to hook them up. Now, Ruth and Naomi don't know this information. We know this information because we're looking at it now. Imagine the stuff that you don't know right now that God knows that he's about to do in your life. (laughs) You just don't know. Just keep on walking. Keep on walking. I'm telling you, you're going to walk right into his providential hand of blessing. And so it's about providence. And she says... In verse two, so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find what favor, chin, kindness, goodness, mercy." She says, "I need to find mercy because we're poor." I need to find mercy from someone who's merciful like a merciful God because we have needs today. I'm not just sitting and waiting for someone to give to me. Because I'm able, I am going to go out and work, but I still need some help. I need favor. And she says, I want to find favor, that I may find favor. Ruth, I love you, girl, but you're a little bit off on this statement. I know what you mean, but let me help you out. Because we don't technically find favor. Because if you found favor, it wouldn't be favor. It'd be works, and it'd be glory to you. We don't technically find favor. Help me out, Strong Tower. Favor what? That's right. Favor finds you. Grace finds you. Noah, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, 8, that it says that Noah found favor with the Lord. Now, Noah found favor with God because God gave Noah favor. So he just didn't find it. No, favor found him, which allowed him to find favor. You see, favor always starts working before you do. She going to go work in them fields. She going to find some favor to work. But favor is already working before that girl ever start picking up any of them sheaves out there. Grace is already working before you can even understand or know or be a recipient of all that grace is. So favor, grace comes from God, and it's already working before you start working or even know you have a need for favor. Before you even know you have a need for grace. Oh, I'm here to let y'all know there's truth in roof. Oh, there's some truth all up in Ruth. You know, every uh, Resurrection Sunday, at least the last few years, we like to hide eggs out on the lawn for the kids. And they, we sprinkle them all over the place. And, 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 and we put them out there and we tell them, go out and hunt for the eggs. Now, the way we scatter the eggs and quote-unquote hide the eggs We hide them so that the children might find them. Now, now we don't put them so deep into a cleft or out across the street that the kids can't find them. We want them to find the eggs because they're going to be blessed when they find them. And when it comes to favor, God puts it out there where you can find favor, (laughs) where you walk into favor, where you receive favor. He wants you to have it. Because favor will lead you to the right place at the right time to meet the right people. Oh, my God. Favor, grace will lead you in the right time at the right place to meet the right people. So all you can do is look up and say, oh, that was nobody but God. That was providence. Oh, my goodness. Ruth chapter 2 verse 3. It says, then she left and went and gleaned in the fields after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Oh, did y'all read what I just read? She just happened to roll up on the right field of somebody that was related to her father-in-law. Did she know that? No. No. Did God know that? Yes. And he is ordering the steps of the righteous. I'm going to put you in the right place at the right time to meet the right people. Because the Bible goes on to say that um, verse 5, then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now he's seen people reaping before so what was it about her? Well, being a businessman and having a huge staff, I'm sure he knows all of the reapers and all the gleaners who come to his particular field. So he may have noticed her because she was new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, whose woman is this? I ain't seen her around here before. Uh huh. Or he may have noticed her because she was pretty. Oh, boy, I wish I had some time. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Men are eye creatures. And he probably looked out there when he said, whose woman is this? In the Hebrew, that means good, gugga mother. That's what that means. Like that. Oh, Lord. Who this woman here? Now, why did she stand out? Why did she stand out? She stood out, I believe. Not only because she was new and because she was pretty. But I think she stood out because she was darker than these dark people here in this past. Oh, again, don't have time to chase that good one there. But um, uh, she was darker. Pastor, how do you know she was dark? Number one, if you're gonna work in some fields, you're gonna get dark. <laughs> Number two, she is a Moabitess. I said last week that the Moabites came about from an incestuous relationship of Lot with his daughter. And so where did Lot get his wife? Because when he went to Sodom, he was single. So he must have found his wife in Sodom. Who are the Sodomites connected to? When you you go back to Genesis chapter 10, you see that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, along with other nations, descend directly from Ham, Noah's African or Cushite son. So the people who inhabited the place of Sodom were probably African or darker people. So Lot, who was Hebrew, married an African woman, and they had these darker babies. Then this darker baby uh, was born, and she goes and she works in the field, and she is noticed by Boaz. But beyond her being new, beyond her being pretty, and beyond her being darker than the other dark people, the reason why he noticed her was because there was some favor on her life. It's something you can't explain. It's something you can't bottle. Some people call it the anointing. I don't know. It's just when you see the hand of God on somebody's whole countenance, where they stand out, there's something about them. And the puppet master, God, is pulling the strings so that boy sees girl, and then boy going to make a move to go and meet girl. Hey, brothers who are single, I just want to encourage you. Right now, you have the gift of singleness, and it's a blessing. But if you know you ain't supposed to have the gift of singleness till you die, some of y'all say, I'm single, it's a gift, but I do want to get married. You got to not only see girl, you need to go and meet girl. All right? Oh, it got quiet in here. You got to go and meet girl. Can't you hear Boaz saying, whose young woman is this. And then the Bible says in verse, let me see here, verse 8, 6, 6. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to who? Ruth. So now he's going to go and step to her. He probably put that voice on. uh, (laughs) You will listen. My daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here. But stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, you ain't got to go cross town. Go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Oh, my. That's called favor. Favor. I remember when God brought Dorina into my life. Favor. favor. Because here, let me say this to you. God will bring people into your life that he may minister his favor through them to you. God is the ultimate source of blessings and everything. But he will use resources called people to distribute his blessings from him through them to you. So that's why you've got to be careful with who you connect yourself with. Because a lot of times God's favor is going to show up in your life through other people on his behalf. And the opposite is also true. Be careful of the confusing folks you hang with. Because confusion can come into your life through them as vessels and instruments of the enemy. So that's why we got to watch who we hang with. And Boaz's life is about to be blessed by Ruth. And Ruth's life is about to be blessed by Boaz. Secondly, favor is promotional. Not only is it providential, it's promotional. It would allow you to be seen. They saw her in verse 5. He said, whose young woman is this? Favor is promotional. It will have other people telling your story for you. Let me tell you who she is, verse 6 and 7. She's this, she's that. She's a good woman. Thirdly, it will bring you into the presence of great people. How many people does Boaz sit down with, yet alone the people who are coming to pick up sheaves? So, so her gift, the favor of God, brought her into the presence of Of not only this great man But this wealthy man Not only that It will protect you We saw in verse 8 That he said uh, I've commanded the young men Not to mess with you Because within that culture Even with the people of God Sometimes they would try to prey on the woman Out in the field So Boaz let it be known Now up on my field here We don't do that And you surely ain't going to do that to her. Why? Because I got my eye on her. Y'all ain't going to mess over this girl here now. Don't play with me. So favor will protect you. It will also give you access to places that were once off limit to you. She wasn't supposed to drink at the place he told her to drink from. She had another place to drink from. But favor says you come over here and you drink from this place of privilege. It will also give you public recognition because he says to her in verse 14 in front of everybody. Now, Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parts grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. So what does this mean? He is calling her out in front of everybody to let everybody know that she has a place of favor because he's giving it to her. And then he says, come and sit right here next to the reapers, my staff, the people who get paid here. And I'm going to dip this bread and I'm going to pass it down to you. Sounds just like Jesus. Y'all come on and sit with me at this table. I'm going to dip this bread and I'm going to give it to you people who don't deserve to be here. But he's showing kindness and favor to her. But not only that, favor will promote you in such a way where you will have access to glean from the sheaves that other people have picked. Verse 15. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. What does that mean? When they would pick the sheaves up, they would put them in baskets. The other parts would fall to the ground. The poor would pick them up so they would collect them, so they could put them in a bundle. Boaz says, "Uh, fellas who's collecting the sheaves and putting them in these baskets, y'all let her get stuff not only off the ground, but y'all let her get stuff out of y'all's basket. I bet the workers are like, now who is this woman that rolled up in here and got our boss all strung out? She putting her hand in my pocket? messing with my money okay okay boss but favor will also make other people bless you on purpose just because god said so don't look at your watches right now i'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna close it up because he's gonna say to her in verse 16 he said also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her Y'all got to see this. Not only can she come take y'all stuff, but I want y'all to drop some stuff right in front of her where she can pick it up that's already been bundled. (laughs) That's favor. Her life was changed by favor in one day. After she had suffered for years. That's why I got to tell somebody today, don't you give up. You don't know when that day is coming where God's going to blow your mind. Where your prayers are going to come through on a particular day. When you meet the right person at the right place at the right time. And God will channel his favor through them to you. As a matter of fact, and you don't even have to know who they are. When we were trying to get our first house in Franklin. Man, we couldn't afford to live in Franklin, but God called me to work there. We wanted to get a house and not keep living in an apartment. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the down payment money as a young married couple. But unbeknownst to us, somebody had put some money aside to give to us and gave us $4,000 so that we could go and get a house. We didn't even know those. I still don't know who they are. Then God raised up another person, the Harmon family, They had invested some money in the stock market for me when they first met me at Christ Community Church. Something about my life said to them, we're going to put some money on a stock for this family. And once God called us to go and get a house, which was right around the time we uh, was planting the church, This businessman came to me at Cracker Barrel on 96 and handed me a check for $15,000 to get a house because he said, I put some money away three years ago for you. Because when God want to bless you, can't nobody stop it. When God want to hook you up, when God got a name on a check for you, it's for you. Could tell you stories about how he's blessed me with not only house but houses in ways that ain't supposed to work out because somebody said to another person, Hey man, I hear you're selling your house. Uh, can you sell your house to Pastor? I know that it has a, 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 a got some wealth on it uh because the interest has gone up on the house. But can you sell your house to Pastor and Fieldstone Farms for the price that you paid for it a couple of years ago? And the person says, Yes, I'll sell my house to Pastor. I can tell you story. Cars and education, Providence, where where I was at a conference and I'm watching a man speak on the stage and I'm drawn to him because of the favor on his life, a Latino man. And then we go to this banquet because I was on the board of directors at this college and I'm like, man, I want to meet this guy. While he's speaking, I want to meet this guy. I want to meet this guy. God so worked it where we sat down next to each other at the banquet. So I just started asking him, because I'm researching where to go to school. I want to get my doctorate. Uh, This place isn't working out. I don't like that place. But something about that guy. And I didn't know if they had a doctoral program. And I said, hey, man, can you tell me? I didn't say, hey, man. I said, hey, sir, can you tell me? (laughs) And he started telling me about the doctorate of strategic leadership. He gave me his card. I went to my hotel room. I looked it up, and I said, this is the program I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you know, I could tell you stories. God will not only give you those kind of things, man, he will hook you up with body parts providentially. Yes, he will. Yeah. Stephon Parrish, playing a guitar, was on dialysis for years in need of a kidney transplant. And he just went on, and, and a lot of times, you never even knew that brother was sick because the joy of the Lord was his strength. I didn't even know he was going to get dialysis but one day, as we're praying, Lord, provide a kidney for this brother. Yeah. Well, a man that he knew who lived in another state, his son died in an accident. The man knew that Stephan needed a kidney. The man's son was a, a, a donor, an a, a organ donor. The man said, I'm going to give my son's kidney to you. But let me, and, and, and Stephan knew the man and the son. But before he got that call, and they told him, rush to Vanderbilt now, he had a preacher friend of his who just got a kidney a couple days before because they would sit and pray and talk and believe God at dialysis. Well, that preacher got his, and he said to Stefan, you next. Well, not long after that, he gets the call that his friend's son had died, but the friend wants him to have the kidney. And that night, they shipped that kidney and put it in that thing, and that man is doing well. It's been almost a year now. Oh! That's providence. Somebody say, that's luck. That's luck. No, that's providence. And it's promotional. Oh, man, Luke. Excuse me, Ruth was promoted. And I bet you she has some haters while she was climbing the ladder. Who does she think she is coming up in here? We've been trying to get Boaz's eye to look at us. He ain't looked at us. Why why I got to do all that? Why he looking at her? You see, when you understand God's favor for you, you can not only be happy for other people when they get blessed, but you don't have to be jealous. You don't have to be jealous. Put your chin down and be humble. (laughs) All right, Kendrick Lamar, I ain't going to quote you. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Finally. Oh, I got to say this point. I'm going to let y'all go. Favor is passable. Not only is it providential and promotional, it's passable, which means it's transferable. Look at chapter 2, verse 15 again. Remember, she's eating at this privileged spot. And Bible says in verse 15, and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded everybody saying, let her glean among the sheaves. No, 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 let me back up. Let me back up to verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 14. They're at mealtime. Boaz says, come here, girl, and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. Verse 14. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. What was that all about? She's thinking about mother-in-law at home. I'm sitting here at a banquet spread getting blessed. But I know that when God blesses me, he just don't want the blessing to stop with me. He wants to bless through me to other people that I know are hurting. So I'm going to keep some back rather than gorge myself and be ju- just a pig and eat all this food for myself. And so she held some back so she could give some to her mother-in-law. You see, when you know that everything you have comes from God, you will not hold on to it like it's yours. Mhm. Mm-hmm. When you know it comes from God, it won't stick in your hands. It will pass through your hands to other folk. You see, God passed favor over to Boaz. Boaz passed favor on to Ruth, and Ruth passed favor on to Naomi. But God passed favor on to Naomi because Naomi passed favor on to Ruth. Part of the reason Ruth was blessed was because she was attached to Naomi. And then Boaz and Ruth pass favor on to Naomi because later on they get married, they have a child. And then they give that child to Naomi. And Naomi, who was bitter and angry with God and said, he's afflicted me. No, honey, he was affixing you. Gave you that child and now everybody in town happy. You're the doting grandma. What is it about you folks that have grandkids that make you something? I mean, y'all are, y'all out there when you got grandkids. Something I don't know, y'all get goofy. (laughs) You don't spike the grandkids like you used to spank us. What's up with that? Grandkids can eat ice cream at dinner time and for breakfast, what's up with that? Naomi got her grandchild. But as I close, God passed favor on to Ruth and Boaz. Ruth and Boaz passed favor on to Obed. And Obed passed favor on to Jesse. And Jesse passed favor on to David. David passed favor on to Solomon. And Solomon passed favor on to Rehoboam. Rehoboam passed favor on to Abijah, who passed favor on to Asa, who passed favor on to Jehoshaphat. Who passed favor onto Joram, who passed favor onto Uzziah, who passed favor onto Jotham, who passed favor onto Ahaz, who passed favor onto Hezekiah, who passed favor onto Manasseh, who passed favor onto Ammon, who passed favor onto Josiah, who passed favor onto Jeconiah, who passed favor onto Sheel, I can't pronounce his name, Sheel TL, who passed favor onto Zerubbabel, who passed favor onto Abiyad, who passed favor onto Eliakim, who passed favor onto Azor, who passed favor. Favor onto Zadok, who passed favor onto Achim, who passed favor onto Iliad, who passed favor onto Eleazar, who passed favor onto Matan, who passed favor onto Jacob, who passed favor onto Joseph, who married Mary, and she passed favor onto Jesus, who passes favor onto all of us. Wow! Oh. Wow! Oh. <laughs> Pass it on. Pass it on. The favor, pass it on. Today we saw favor. Favor, favor. It's providential. It's promotional. It's passable. Put your chin down and be a recipient of favor. Put your chin down and be a dispenser of favor, especially to the poor, especially to the foreigner in our midst. Let's stand for prayer. You don't have to come to the altar because your heart can be the altar in which you bow. But let me pray for you. Lord, there are folks who needed to be reminded today of your favor, of your timing, of your goodness, Thank you that you brought them by here to be reminded not to give up because you surely haven't given up on them. It's a test of faith and you want our faith in you to grow. You want us to trust you and to wait on you for the job, for the mate, for the healing, for the home, for the car, for the internal organ, whatever it is, You're in control. You know what we have need of before we even know what we need of. Before we start praying, you're already working. But you like for us to pray because it builds our intimacy with you. So, Lord, I pray for the person who's been weary and well-doing, that they would not faint nor give up, knowing that in due season they would reap the harvest if they don't faint. Don't faint, man of God. Don't faint, woman of God. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. It's according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Have a blessed day. Amen.